Welcome to Going Deeper. My name is Marcy Sklove, and today I'm sitting with Melissa Juro. Melissa is the co-founder and co-director of Embrace Race, a community of adults supporting each other to raise a generation of kids who are brave, informed, and proactive on matters of race and racial justice. So we will learn more about what all that means, but welcome, Melissa. Thank you. It's great to be here, Thanks Marcy. Thanks for coming. Um, I'd like to start by kind of setting the, the whole foundation, the whole, like, the soil of, of your life in a certain way. What in your childhood, in your, you know, your growing years um, right. informed how you live, but also this work that you're doing, this right, important work. Right, it's a good question. Yeah, we all come from a different racial experience. We all have one yeah. and position. And mine was, um, and continues to be, that I am uh, multiracial. I am the child of immigrants. And um, my mother is from French Canada. My father's from a little island called Dominica. Um, so I'm a black-white mix, and I grew up in Springfield, Massachusetts, in a Puerto Rican neighborhood in the North End. Oh. And um, so all of those experiences of being uh, going there and also eventually going to a private school mm. that was mostly more affluent and whiter than my neighborhood, um, all of those experiences really shaped... Um, my understanding of how race works in the U.S. and and of course part of it is uh, I'm a multiracial person who can sometimes pass, you know, mm -hmm. as a white person. So being able to um, have the privilege of walking around like this, yeah. um, but also have some of the experiences of uh, in my family or in my neighborhood, knowing. Uh, for example, that neighborhood schools is not always a good thing. Yeah. You know, some neighborhoods are uh, disinvested in. Mm -hmm. and, um, and oftentimes, in fact, that's a term that's used to keep people out. Right. right? Um, so, yeah, that was really the reason. So in your family, like your mom's family from Canada, mm -hmm. French Canada, yeah. are you connected and close to that side of your family? Yeah, definitely, yeah. definitely, yeah. And, and within the white, black, uh, you know, the mixing of these two yeah. families, did that go well? Was that it an did. easy? It did, it did. I mean, what's funny is that my father's family mostly, I had some uh, cousins who lived nearby mm -hmm. um, in Connecticut, um, so an uncle and some cousins, so we would see them a bunch, but mostly, that family, his family was still in Dominica or sort of spread out, mm -hmm. England, aunt in California, wow. that kind of thing. And um, we saw the Canadian relatives a bit more because okay. they could just drive down. And my father tells the story of meeting my grandfather for the first time, um, going up to see them outside, you know, an hour out of uh, Montreal mm -hmm. and meeting this sort of farmer dude. And he says, where are you from? And, and my dad says, Dominica. And he's like, What's, where's Dominica? It's, you know, it's an island um, in the Caribbean, and I'm a, you know, a mix of French and African. And my grandfather oh. was like, oh. Like, he just had no idea. He could have been wow. from Mars, you know? 
Yeah, but the French, did that make a connection with your mom's father, your, your grandfather? Yeah. That there was this French Yeah, that, you know, I don't really, it's funny, I don't really know. Um, Dominique is an interesting island. It's got this whole history that it was colonized by uh, the French and then colonized by the British, so they speak English, mm -hmm. but they have these French last names. So yeah. there's sort of a lineage that's part French, but... Um, it certainly wasn't my dad's first language. I see. So um, also yeah. probably the identification with the French. Well, you don't think of French of color. I mean, a lot of people don't. I, I certainly do now. But yeah. at the time, in his context, sure, French sure, was sure. pretty white. So I think it was just like, whoa, confusing, confusing yeah. I think. But not in a bad way. What's interesting is that the, ge the generation after my mother's generation, sort of my uh, cousins who are a bit older, they're the ones who had more exposure to TV and world mm -hmm. news and, you know, developed more active stances on race, you mm -hmm. know, um, mm -hmm. and could tend to be a bit more racist. Wow. Um, These were still Canadians. Yeah, uh -huh. yeah, yeah. It's just, I think, um, you know, my grandfather, they grew up in a very rural, they didn't have TV, they didn't mm -hmm. have cars, you know, it was just um, a different time. Sure, yeah. sure. Yeah. Well, there's so many layers of cross race, but also culture and country and, you know, just a lot to unpack yeah. in all of that. Well, even that, my, the reason my parents met is sort of interesting, yeah. which is that um, my mother was a dietitian in a French-speaking hospital in Montreal, okay. and my dad was... Uh, getting, uh, was a, practicing to be a doctor, mm -hmm. and he, um, he had a hard time finding, uh, he was sent to school by the church in Dominica, because he mm -hmm. was sort of a, an orphan, so he sent, to, wow. he was sent to school in, uh, at, at a Catholic university in the United States, uh, Iona College okay. in New York, and then, um, and then it was hard to pass the medical exams because you're not used to taking them. Mm -hmm. um, so they sent him to these Belgian priests who lived in Dominica, sent him to Belgium for medical school where you didn't, everyone could get in, but it was very hard to stay. Yeah. And he got through there and then went to another French speaking hospital, which is where he met my mother. Wow. So it's all kind of crazy the way the, um, huh. the, the, the colonial aspect, you know, sort of totally. has a hand as do yeah. these, yeah. And that your father was a doctor right. is another aspect. It's another aspect. Because there yeah. was the whole class thing. Right. Where, I mean, that's a really important one, which it took me a while to figure out, I think, because, um, you know, it's very different. The class structure is very different among people of color in the sure. States, you know. So if you say uh, a black doctor or a doctor of color or um, if you say black middle class, it's a very different um, it doesn't assume, you know, sort of, it doesn't assume the same things. Can you say more? Because yeah. I'd like to learn more. Yeah, about yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, there have been a lot of really interesting um, articles about this recently and looking at neighborhoods and especially mm -hmm. segregation mm -hmm. um, and around how if you're um, a, you know, sort of working class white person, you ha you're more likely to have access to good schools yeah. than a middle to upper class black person. Okay. And why is that? And it's right. because of where we live. You know, so right. 
Yeah. But also, if you are a family of color and you live where there is a good school, right. there, that doesn't mean you're protected from That's the right. racism in that good school That's right. that your kids are going to That's experience. right. So there's all kinds of access issues. Some are more clear. We mm -hmm. don't live in the neighborhood. You mm -hmm. know, we've got mm -hmm. these neighborhood schools and um, we're going to have to, uh, yeah, we're just going to, we could be making, I mean, it's really kind of incredible if you look at, there's a great New York Times article about this, about black Americans who choose to live in, you know, segregated black neighborhoods mm -hmm. and just the, the sacrifices, you know? Yeah. Um, so there's that aspect, but there's also who are the schools built for? What mm -hmm. does the curriculum look like? If you um, go, you know, you live in, um, I mean, I want to say Amherst, but that's a little bit political. <laughs> you, you sort of, you, wherever you live, if the school is sort of built, most schools are not, you know, built for especially black Americans, right? Yeah. So um, in terms of the curriculum of the books that are available right. and the, the teacher population, there's not a lot of mentorship. So it's big. It's, it's, it's big. It's big. There's a lot of access issues. And, and then there's also the whole um, um, sort of network stress. So mm -hmm. if you, you know, of course there are, more poor white Americans than there are poor people of color, largely because there's so many more mm -hmm. white Americans. So the percentage mm -hmm. is smaller, but there's so many. So I don't want to say that that's not true and devastating and all mm -hmm. of that. Mm -hmm. um, however, it's much more likely if you're a middle class or upper class uh, black person in America um, or Hispanic person that you will be supporting a lot of your family. Mm -hmm. You know, so there's network stress. Okay. You know, so that if something, it's not, it's not sort of, and, and that you got there almost by accident where you are, mm -hmm. jumped classes and you're supporting, you know, just a lot of nieces and nephews and uncle and, you know, you're, you're doing sure. a lot of that. So there's a lot of network stress. So if something goes wrong, um, it's more likely to kind of fall apart and there's right. less, um, you know, there's less wealth being That's built up. That's what I was going to yeah. bring up. Yeah, yeah, less ownership of property. Right, right. Yeah. 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 About the segregation of schools. So one of my first interviews was with Julius Lester and um, I was re-listening to it recently. And he talked about, you know, so he died uh, in 2018 and he was 76. So he was in schools in the 40s, late 40s. He talked about the positive aspects of segregation. Mm. Absolutely, yeah. And how, in a way, that that created this group of activists who yeah. went into the civil rights yeah. movement as, like, with really good self-esteem and really good understanding of what their position in white America was. Right. Right. And the even though the buildings were crappy and, yeah. you know, that they, but the teachers were good yeah. and motivated and... Yeah teachers of color mm -hmm. and um, so that also made me think about the positive aspects right. of segregation not to say we should go back right. there or right. that I you know in any way think that it was a good idea generally but that yeah. given adversity it did provide right. some positive qualities that then ended up really right. making a difference in the country. Right, that was um, certainly not the case by the time I got to school because there was, uh, I mean, what's interesting about the integration process in the U.S. that happened, you know, by 
it was forced to happen in the South and right. happened sort of differently and wasn't forced to happen in the North is that a lot of um, teachers of color, a lot of black teachers yeah. were put out of work. Yeah. Um, because if we're gonna integrate, we're certainly not, you know, you're not gonna teach my kid, that kind of exactly. thing. So there was a real decimation of the uh, teacher workforce of black teachers in particular. Um, and yeah, and there wasn't, and then there was sort of more opportunity, some opportunities, right, for uh, black Americans, for people of color, especially in the middle upper mm -hmm. class. Um, so that people who might have taught in segregated spaces were, you know, suddenly being offered things okay. in white dominant spaces so that there was some creaming that happened. Um, so both of those things, I'm sorry, um, meant that by the 80s, you know, I was growing up in the 80s, mm -hmm. Ronald Reagan's America, where there was major disinvestment yeah. and uh, a real backlash against kind of 60s, 70s yes. politics. So. Um, so we weren't seeing those benefits, yeah. you know. And I can see there's still every time I say we need integrated schools, there's always there are always people of color as, as well as white people who say no, but things were better when. Um, but we've just moved in a different direction, and it's always true that um, you can never separate is never equal because right. we don't invest as much. I mean, right now exactly. the school in my neighborhood school in um, Springfield is a one on great schools. Like great schools is these is the system that, you know, a lot of people use to decide where they're gonna live. You can be oh. a one to a ten. And, and ten's um, the best. Yeah, and it's a one. Wow. And that has actually that whole internet system has really um, of rating schools largely by test scores has really oh. um, like hyper segregated schools. Yeah. Um, so in the another modern day. way institutionally <clears throat> things get Yeah, right in the structural way right. really affected. And testing really affected that. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I, I'm here with not all good news, Marcy. No, that's okay. <laughs> we're unpacking. Okay. That's what we're yeah. doing. Okay, so let's fast forward to um, this work that you and your husband, Andrew, are doing, mm -hmm. um, Embrace Race. Did it start when your daughters became humans. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, it really did, it did. Yeah. Um, it started in when um, one was in, started in two, we started in 2016, mm -hmm. so in um, early 2016 before we thought Trump would be president. Wow. Yeah, but so we clearly felt the need and then Trump became president and yeah. boy did people come out of the woodwork, yeah. you know, both because they were suffering or because they suddenly saw this was a problem, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, we had young daughters at the time. We still have young daughters, they're nine and 11 now. Um, maybe the year before that, we'd been at a preschool, we were very involved in our daughter's preschool mm -hmm. and we started a race and parenting group mm -hmm. um, at the common school actually okay. with a group of parents. Who Full disclosure, we're both from Amherst, Massachusetts. <laughs> we're here in Greenfield, but I just want oh, to say Oh, right, that. right. Oh, okay. I was like coming out. I didn't realize coming out. Uh, right. We live in Amherst, yeah. Massachusetts. So we were at this preschool, and we, there was a diversity committee of parents, and we were working on school stuff, how to get more people you know, of color in, scholarships, curriculum, that kind of thing. And we weren't working. A lot of diversity committees do this. They work on the mechanisms of the school and aren't working particularly on, you know, what's my kid's what am I struggling with as a parent mm. and my kids 
exposure to racial stuff, mm -hmm. right? And but we started talking on the sidelines um, and really, oh, my daughter, you know, wants straight hair, or uh, my child um, seems to prefer, you know, kids who look like X, Y, Z. You know, just these concerns that parents have and decided, oh, this is what we should really be doing. Let's start a race and parenting group. Mm -hmm. So we started one and the school opened up the doors to mm -hmm. us and opened up childcare and it was wonderful and we had this amazing experience and then realized that um, in having organizing for that meeting, we realized with several other parents that there weren't a lot of um, resources for parents. There's a mm. lot of resources on racial development for from an academic perspective, yeah. but really not for parents and really not for parents with kids of color for the most part. And so we realized this gap and um, and then we had this meeting and you know, I don't think we came away with that's what we do, like great epiphanies, but we just felt we're reminded something that we knew intellectually, which was that um, everyone's experiencing this because it's in the water you know it's yeah. where where it's 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 the state right. of things right so it's not that i'm an awful parent because my child is um coming home and saying certain things right. it's really this smog that beverly yeah. daniels tatum talks yeah. about that is affecting all of us so we um so that made us think we had that great time and um, but realized also not only are there no resources, but it's very hard for parents, especially parents with young kids, to ever meet, you know, to have right. a place, a space to meet. And we were, the school was just open to us that one time. So we said, oh gosh, we really need a place to go at two in the morning, mm -hmm. you know, when you're struggling. So we proceeded to uh, create this online yeah. community. I think what for me, you know, researching to get going for the interview, one of the things that really stands out is just the educational aspect of knowing how young mm -hmm. kids are affected yeah. by race issues. Right. Um, right. And that it isn't when they're older, it's really right. when they're young. I mean, it's six months, you know, this yeah. research, three to six months that um, people, kids react much better to um, adults, other adults who have the same race, with mm -hmm. the same as their, mm -hmm. their caregivers. Um, and then as you get older, as early as three, three to, in the three to five range, kids are actually, um, you know, making decisions based on sort of in-group, out-group. Yes. Um, so that's really young. And, and, and yet we, the, the, uh, the tradition so far um, has been in this country oftentimes has been in, in a public way to talk to teenagers right. at high school to have more of a sort of civil, you know, civil rights and mm -hmm. racial curriculum mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. in those years when it's, you know, pretty late. And then also when young kids mention it to say, oh no, don't, right. that's yeah. rude, don't bring up that yeah. someone has brown skin or... It's really amazing. Yeah. You know, we've been actually, even today we've been we have this partnership going with the Carl Museum where yeah, we're, Eric Carl. yeah, where mm -hmm. we're creating a, um, they're the, the Carl Museum of the Picture Book, and we're doing a video and workshop project called uh, Reading Race in Picture Books, mm. where we're using um, picture books as a tool mm. to have conversations about That's race. Fantastic. Yeah, and what's been so interesting is I was just watching some of the video earlier, and you know, there's video of the, 
various children's book authors are in it and uh, various educators. And so often when an educator says, asks a kid, you know, what do you see in this picture? You know, what else do you see? Describe the people in the picture. And it really doesn't matter if the group is, you know, a mixed group or a white group or, you know, an all group of color. Kids really still hesitate to name race or to yeah. name skin color. Yeah. You know, when, and kids are really, you know, my kids still, and they're older, will tell me, you know, everything they ate today and everything someone told them and their favorite, you know, just full of details. Yeah. But they kind of learn pretty early that we're not supposed to talk about those details, yeah. um, which is not the right message. Right. 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 Yeah. And it's, it's so layered. I was, I, I was grateful to be able to witness a family of color talking with their teenager and she mentioned how she had been stopped in the hallway by the, the guard, the, the hall guard, accusing her of vandalizing a bathroom or something multiple times. Hmm. And as the parents responded, I saw her backing down like, it's okay, I, you know, I, I found ways to hide from the hall guard. I, uh, I became friends with the hall guard. She's not doing it so much. And mm -hmm. the parents' reactivity made her mm. uncomfortable mm -hmm. and like she didn't want them to respond. So right. there's another layer of right. how, you know, how m much do the kids share with their parents right. no matter how close. Absolutely, yeah. Um, and it, 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 yeah, it's, it's, very, it's very complex to... Right figure that piece out as well. You don't wanna, they don't want to stand out. Yeah. Um, they have some And they don't want their parents to embarrass right. them. Right. We're very yeah. embarrassing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Um, one of the things, you know, you're talking about uh, ways that, it, that race is presented and one of the things I saw was your Huffington Post article mm. about oh, all right. the white dolls yeah. on the shelf together mm -hmm. using Beverly Tatum's mm -hmm. uh, title. And it reminded me of this game that we played when my daughter was little called Guess Who? Mm. I think that's, yeah, Guess Who? And it was a pop-up game and you would match faces. Mm. And in each... It, it, there were categories of five sort of unusual characteristics. So five people with eyeglasses, five people with mustaches, five people of color who mm -hmm. all looked white, mm -hmm. uh, five women, mm -hmm. you know, just so bizarre. And it, we used it as a tool mm -hmm. to talk about how messed up that was. Mm -hmm. And I did notice, because I looked online, that the game looks like it has been improved. Oh, good. It's not, yeah. I thought, it, did yeah. they go out of business? No, right. they improved it. Yeah. But, that seems like one of the avenues with little kids to have the conversation. There's so many opportunities to have the conversation. Say <laughs> more about examples of that. Yeah, yeah. Oh, gosh. Um, yeah, there are so many. Um, that game example made me think of Clue, you know, the mm -hmm. game Clue. Mm -hmm. And um, I had an old version. I used to love to play Clue, and I had a very old version. And I would call it to my kids, oh, it's the white version. It's a very old mm -hmm. version, you know, and, and there was one supposedly exotic person of, uh, who's a an Asian 
woman. Mm -hmm. And um, she was supposed to be, she was dressed different than everyone else was white, you know? I don't know if you ever played Clue. Oh, definitely. But, um, I'm trying to think which one was she. Yeah. Miss Peacock? Um, <laughs> Miss... That's okay. Yeah, it yeah. It'll, it was Scarlet, I oh, think. Scarlet. Was, okay. And of course, she was Scarlet. So there was also the kind of mm -hmm. those implications. But um, mm -hmm. but we, I couldn't find the old clue. So I said, oh, we'll get a new clue. You know, that was the white clue. And we, I, I went and got it and brought it home. And my sister, my sister, my um, kids said, "Mommy, this is the white clue too," <laughs> because yeah. it's still the white clue. Like the characters yeah. are still majority white. Yeah. So, and it was created in. I looked at the date on it, and it was maybe, you know, 2006 or something. You know, so um, yeah. quite remarkable. But that, the, but there are those. We sort of joke. That mm -hmm. was a joke, but. Um, there are a lot of things in any media, you know, people always ask us what, um, what movies kids should be seeing mm. and, you know, should we, they go to common sense media to get their recommendations. And oh. I don't find that common sense or anywhere that I've seen has a great um, filter yeah. on race. You know, yeah. there is kind of a gender filter, but really not great on race. And, in, and uh, that, so what you end up doing is um, watching all these problematic movies because there aren't enough movies that really feature uh, characters of color yeah. um, that tell their story sort of in a positive way. Um, so a lot of, you know, I twist my girl's hair every so often and we end up watching a lot of TV while yeah. that's being done. And there are so many, uh, you know, like Disney is a great, you oh. might say don't watch Disney, but actually it's a great way to sort of talk about these problematic. Wow. There, there was one episode recently where my kids love this show, Live and Maddie. It's like these teenage twins, you know? Okay. And there's, pro you know, every episode there's a problem, but there's, it's also very funny and the comic timing is great. It's a, it's a com um, comic. It's yes, animated. it's for kids. No, 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 it's no. real people. Oh, okay, okay. And this, um, one of the main characters who's a basketball player, she uh, meets this very tall black man and says, oh, you need to be on my basketball team because she wanted to win her her tournament and um, so she invites him, he says yes, and then they go to play and he doesn't know how to play basketball and she says, um, oh my gosh, I shouldn't have, I shouldn't have chosen you just because you're tall. You know, and, and we're, and my kids and I are looking at each other and just laughing and because there's no other black person in the show. Like there's oh, something else about, you know, so this is now, you know, yeah. um, and just that continually sort of happens wow. in these shows. Yeah. 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 A lot of problems. But because you are already in your household right. so fluid about speaking about these yeah. things, yeah. your girls are already having that critical lens yeah. that yeah. they anticipate. Okay, right. what are they going to yeah. say? Yeah, 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 yeah. That's, that's what the goal is of right. Embrace Race in a certain way. It is, and I think it's the goal of critical literacy. It's yes. very hard for parents to find time to watch things and read right. things with their kids, and there's there's a lot of times that we can't do that. Right. But we need to make time to do it sometimes yeah. in order to just give them those lenses. Yeah, you know? yeah. Um, yeah, I'm very grateful that my kids have those lenses, although they're not always grateful. Sure. <laughs> well, when they grow up, they yeah, will be. Yeah, I hope so, yeah. yeah. So um, can you say a little more just about the whole structure of Embrace Race? Yeah. It's online, there's it's online. webinars. Right, tell, yeah. Tell some yeah. of the so we nuts think, and bolts. Yeah, the way we think about it is um, we're still, you know, again, it's been four, almost four years, and um, we're, 
still not, we're not doing everything that we envision, um, but we're getting there. Mm. And so far we think of it as a place where we're building community around mm -hmm. to have these conversations around racial learning, you know, of our kids and, you know, our own experiences that inform how we raise our kids. Um, so there's building that community and then there's also uh, supplying, curating and creating resources so that um, there's so much great research out there, not on everything, mm -hmm. you know, sometimes we have to go with um, experience and best practices yeah. and the wisdom of the crowd, you know, sure. sometimes, um, but we, uh, but there is actual research and mm -hmm. just like in education or lots of fields, a lot of times that research doesn't get used or doesn't get implemented. Mm -hmm. You know, there's like a chasm between exactly. sort of what we know and how we practice. Yeah. And so that's part of what we're trying to do is really bring those tools, bring those experts to yeah. these monthly conversations, these monthly webinars, to these, we have these action guides, which we used to call tip sheets that uh, <laughs> distill a lot of the what this means you can do in yeah. your life with your kid. Yeah. Um, and yeah, we have a uh, presence on social media, mostly on mm -hmm. Facebook, which is mm. really a, we post quite a lot I and it's really that. a place to, um, to have conversations and to- So people just come bring on their and own talk. experience. Uh, anecdotally, this is my, you know, my kid said this. Is it that Not kind of Not so thing? much. It's more, it's a, the, also a place to learn. So it's posting kind of uh, recent articles about oh, many different aspects okay. that affect many different groups, right? Mm -hmm. um, and some are opinions, and then we have conversations about them online. Um, so that's a great place too, if you want to follow and just get a regular diet of yeah. sort of, uh, you know, sort of a racial lens. I think um, Embrace Race on Facebook is a great place to go and do that. But we've also got a lot of things that we're, like this program with the Carl, um, well, that we're working on. Well, and then you, you know, I was looking at your website, which is really great, by the way. And yeah. so there's the articles, right? there's the webinars, um, there's a few videos. Right. There's this action. There's these action guides. These tip sheets. There's some children's book. There's a children's book section yeah. to um, get people uh, using those tools a bit, and that that'll be built out a bit more. So you're able to um, sort of reach out to a certain kind of family that's online and savvy about how to do online. Yeah. Stuff at two in the morning. That's, that's true. Yep. Is yep. there a way that you're also able to reach out to communities that aren't online? Yeah. Yeah. I wasn't going to mention, but now that you respond, that um, we, um, so we've got this sort of the three buckets of our work, community, resources, and the third is partnerships. Mm -hmm. And so the way, because we're actually such a small organization, that we reach other people is to, um, is to partner with mm. organizations. Yeah. You know, we're in developing partnerships with uh, across the country with organizations like Wise and um, Big Brothers Big Sisters. Uh, that would be a great one to yeah. yeah um, or the uh, we have a partnership. We're working on something with the American Psychological Association. Oh, so that's great. getting at um, uh, exposing more therapists mm. to yeah. this work, and we have you know relationships with the American Association of Pediatrics. So we're really trying wow. to distribute widely and yeah. also get these. 
uh, folks of various varying expertise and experience to come in and help with the resources. Sure. And then to um, to spread them to in person mm -hmm. to their exactly. community groups. So it's that's sort of perfect. supporting work that's already being done yeah. and groups that already exist, if that makes sense. Oh, it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. That makes me really happy that's too. That's a great question. Because then you're educating people who could otherwise have an ill effect. Right, and do harm. Yeah. To do harm. Right. Not meaning to. Yeah. Maybe. And yeah. In, instead can really have yeah. an impact that is positive. Right. And, and we actually did. This was great. We had... Um, I don't know if I told you this, that the, you know, the American uh, P Association of Pediatrics had made a statement that said racism is actually bad for children's health yeah. and explained all the ways that it manifests Fantastic. in the body. And um, because we've been in conversations with them, this is in the, in the New York Times, they interviewed someone in, and um, they uh, mentioned Embrace Race, like that Embrace Race, Wonderful. if you want resources to help you with this, go to the AAP or go to Embrace Race. Wow. So, so that's the other piece, is that you are not just a local little yeah. place. You are a national place. Yeah. Uh, and I love that you were on the NPR um, on radio point. program yeah. on point mm -hmm. on Martin Luther King Day. Right, that was Huge. quite an honor. Yeah, yeah. and yeah. some of the other media uh, things on your on your website right. are quite impressive. These articles that you mentioned, or articles right. that you guys have written. Yeah, yeah. Um, Thank so you. So that's yeah. that's really important. I also really want to stress that it's really important for white families and Absolutely. white kids. Yeah, that is. Yeah, that I'm glad. I'm glad you're stressing that. That we uh, it, it can confuse people because one of the things that's not happening enough in the U.S. is these conversations across race, yeah. you know? We're having conversations with people like us, but mm -hmm. how much are we trying to do the work across race and really not just, and I'm not just saying across white, non-white, I'm saying across black, Latino, across Asian, I mean, we exactly. really, we're really bumping up against each other and the yeah. idea that people of color are, you know, all get along and have the same oh, position, you know, it's just totally. so funny, you know, this idea that like, right. we're gonna take over, it's like, no, <laughs> we're actually not, you know, you, you know, white people are still the plurality, right. you know, and racially at least sort of have more in common than, yeah. you know, this vast array, you know, yeah. Of, yeah. So that is a good segue to this event that I was happy to be at, at Eric Carle Museum, um, your first of hopefully many story slams yeah. or whatever you call it. No slamming, but no slamming. Um, yeah. Story, what do you, what Sto it's a storytelling event. Storytelling yeah. event. Yeah, and the theme was I see color. Yeah, yeah. and on the flip, Right. Is, yeah. Is that in relation to like on the flip side? Yeah. It's is sort of counter story, like oh, a counter okay. story. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that was the that event. Again, we don't like you were saying we're a national organization, and we we get asked to do a lot of local stuff, and there are so many great organizations mm -hmm. doing work mm -hmm. locally, um, and we'd like to do it, but we sort of can't always do both. So this was an opportunity, and we do do that work as. Um, you know, residents and, you know, as sure. parents and all that. Sure. But um, as Embrace Race, we haven't really done um, so much local work. And it was great to join with, uh, you know, with um, uh, Good Talk Media, a group, with um, Amherst Media, with uh, with the Carl, 
um, I'm already forgetting, oh, with Valley Voices, they do yeah, the Story that's Slam. The slam. Yeah. yeah, to just put on something um, locally. Well, and what I love. That's loved, what on the flip is, is the, like the group together. Okay. What I love too was it was a Vietnamese man, yeah. a Venezuelan woman, and her right. amazing daughter yeah. who kind of stole the show. Yeah, Vietnamese American, <laughs> but, by the way, but uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, Sort of raised here. Yeah, 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 yeah. Vietnamese American. Raised here, yeah. Raised here. Venezuelan raised there, but immigrant. Yeah, right. Immigrant, yep. Um, the Tibetan Hampshire yeah. College student. Yeah. Who used a, an interpreter. That was an interesting challenge. Right. Uh, the white man who started the Movement Voter Project. Right. Very Billy interesting. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, and the African-American uh, ER. Yeah. The yeah. ear doctor. Right, yep. And uh, who else am I missing? Probably um, some others. Uh, Angelica Castro, who, yeah. uh, Filipina American. Yeah. Uh, who did yeah. actually immigrate as well. Um, but what I loved about um, it wasn't just black white. Right, yeah. And it wasn't just immigrant. Right. It was, oh, and there was a Muslim woman from yeah. Bangladesh. Right, right. So, you really broaden the whole lens about icy color. Right. It's not just about you know black white skin right. color right. or yeah. those issues. It's not so literal yet. Um, it's not so literal, and it didn't diminish any of those issues. Yeah. But it just really opened. Well, thank you. Yeah. It. it was amazing. I mean, it was really. We didn't. The reception was really yeah. great. You know, people were really hungry for it and yeah. and and I, I think Western Mass, you know, is very and even if we want to be more specific to sort of this uh, happy valley area mm -hmm. is really diverse and we often don't see it mm -hmm. because maybe, you know, you don't see it at a town meeting or at a town council meeting or at, you know, these in these official capacities sometimes. Sure. You Definitely. still you still have um, really majority white in sort of some yeah. of these positions in, in, in terms of running for stuff. So, so somehow um, we hold this narrative in our heads that, you know, this place is so white and the ex actual experience of people of color, I think, is, and of people like you who've been here for a while, mm -hmm. is that the people of color population has grown so significantly. And, you know, in our schools, elementary schools in Amherst, for example, there it's 45 and, and higher oh, kids of color, you know, sure. so are, we're having a different experience, still, you know, and we find each other. Yeah. So our experience is one that's very colorful. And what's important is that public spaces right, in exactly. town, in events, right. are just more um, indicative of that. They're, they're, we're bringing they're, in those voices. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's hard to go to that event and say, this area is so white. Right. You know? But at the same time, you know, there's a lot of people, going back to Amherst, which is what we both mm -hmm. know, uh, there's a lot of people who still see it as a right. very progressive white place. Right. Which has never been true yeah. 100%. But right to not realizing all the different schools, I mean, um, languages in the schools yeah. and all the poverty yeah. that's there, yeah. that's not related necessarily to the race issue, but that there is a lot of poverty. In yeah, Amherst. there's overlap, yeah. yeah. So, um, 
for sure. Yeah, so that's another way that it brings um, it brings exposure and and helps us understand yeah. things. Yeah, I mean the storytellers were you know weren't they're not professional storytellers. Exactly. They were reluctant and not you know the, ultimately the ones that were there wanted to be a part of something, but um, they were just so well received. Yeah, you know by oh, the audience they really yeah they it really was felt just um, very powerful. Yeah. So I don't know how much, we don't have a whole lot of time, but I, I'm curious about your experiences with NPR. Oh, and, okay. And yeah. one of the things that I looked up was this, um, this program or this mm -hmm. show or this thing that you did that you mm -hmm. produced um, about Mexico meets the oh, Midwest. yeah. And is it Durangense? Durangense. Durangense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that was so interesting. Wasn't that fascinating? Yeah. <laughs> So can you talk a little bit about your... About Durangense, yeah. Well, about that and just NPR. your experience about NPR and yeah. you know, doing NPR. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, you know, I, I do feel like I've um, backed into a lot of things, you know, that I haven't had a very straight path, you know? Yeah. Um, I'm yeah. like that too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so um, how I got to um, NPR and to that series that I did was that I... First, I was a teacher, mm -hmm. you know, so I was a public school teacher in Chicago in a bilingual program. Mm -hmm. And I think part of my urge to do that was really um, about, you know, where I grew up and yeah. sort so of. So, were you bilingual Spanish, English no. in your Puerto Rican neighborhood? No, I really wasn't. Okay. Um, I, I was, you know, I was speaking French with my mother a bit. Sure. And, um, and then. My dad actually, my parents actually lived, my sister was born in Puerto Rico, so there, and we lived, we did live in this Puerto Rican neighborhood, but I didn't get a ton of it. I, um, it was later that when I moved to Chicago and then spent some time in Venezuela and Ecuador, oh, okay. that I learned Spanish and found it very useful yeah, in the U.S., you know, totally. as well. So, um, and it was very close to French, so it was really mm -hmm. easy for me. Um, so, so I had that experience, and then, um, being, uh, as I taught um, in Chicago, um, Ira Glass, who maybe mm -hmm. you know, was starting. This American life. Yeah, in, in Chicago, he was starting to do these, uh, well, he was, he was on NPR, and he was doing these pieces about schools in Chicago and how, um, you know, just how odd they were, you know, and how impoverished some of them were. And they weren't stories about standards or, you know, uh, the fight for, um, you know, about textbooks or any of these kind of stories that you typically hear on NPR. Mm -hmm. They were really stories that I remember him saying, talking to a teacher who said, I, I have to bring in the toilet paper. Like, there's no toilet paper, so mm -hmm. I bring it to make sure that my kids have toilet paper. Mm -hmm. And I was doing that as a teacher, yeah. and I just thought, this is what people need to understand. I, wow. You know, people need to understand this. Sure. And that led me into radio oh. and... Um, I went to NP. I was at NPR for years, and uh, I was a big part, sort of formatively, of my in DC, wow. of my uh, sort of adult kind of yeah. education. And after being there for maybe seven years, mm -hmm. I applied for a corporation for public broadcasting grant to go back with oh. my former students and to um, follow them, trail them, and talk about. Um, how things had changed for them. Again, more education stories, but also what did it mean in Chicago that 
these kids who came in, most of them immigrants themselves, mm -hmm. um, some undocumented, um, mm -hmm. and still undocumented, by the way, um, who came in and who I was their fourth grade teacher uh, years before, and they were approaching 18 when I did these stories with them, and they um, were now in a Chicago that was um, uh, majority people of color, so things mm. had kind of shifted. And what did that mean for sort of how they saw themselves yeah. in, you know, the U.S. and yeah. compared to sort of back home, you know, what had been back home when they were younger? And um, yeah, it was just a story I could really relate to. And yeah. so when I left NPR, I ended up doing these stories for NPR that you sort of have to leave to do these documentary stories. And um, that related to oh. how my kids were, yeah. Um, so you can't you you took a leave of absence to get kind a, of to, to get a uh, corporation for public broadcasting grant at that time. It's like a conflict of interest kind of thing. Yeah, or? I mean that you can't like get double paid, and oh, so I see. yeah, so you get paid and uh, you sell your stuff back to NPR. So that's when I left NPR and did these stories with my former students um, about things like uh, Durangense. At the time, there was this huge craze in Chicago of this music uh, from the state of Durango, Mexico. Mm -hmm. um, and most, um, most of Chicago Mexican-Americans were not from, or Mexicans were not from Durango, but there was this mythology about mm -hmm. Durango because it had been, it was sort of considered the Wild West and there was a lot oh, of narco-trafficking okay. and John oh. Wayne had a house there and a lot of his movies were filmed in Durango because it looked like the West. Yeah. So that became a big kind of country, uh, sort of ranchero music mm -hmm. movement mm -hmm. called Duranguense. So I was able to capture that wow. and go to Mexico with yeah. my former students. So oh that was really God. great. Yeah, you can hear that on NPR. I know, I did hear yeah. some of it. And I heard some of the music. <laughs> yeah. That was great. I loved it, yeah. Yeah. Wow, this is great. So we're winding down and um, I want to just get back to this, you know, moment of asking you, do you have any advice? Do you have mm. any things that you would like to say so that people who hear this might feel some direction and not just about, you know, go to our website, but like, yeah. what are some of the things like, um, sure. well, yeah. yeah, 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 sure. Um, I would say that um, when it comes to kids and their racial learning, uh, they're learning every day, you know, who matters, right? Because yeah. um, there are a lot of messages out, out there about who's worth, you know, covering on the news or having, you know, and in what role and having yeah. a TV show around and who has the better schools and who, you know, as we drive through neighborhoods. Um, who has the important jobs, you know, all of these messages sure. that kids yeah. get, who has, who has dolls that represent them, who gets right. represented in books and all of that. Yeah. And whether your child is, whatever color your child mm -hmm. is in, um, if we let those, that kind of racial hierarchy that's in the culture stand for your kid, mm -hmm. then they're really losing out. Yeah. You know, they're really losing out on uh, being full humans, you know, right. on um, knowing other kids. They're losing out if they're kids of color on knowing how to navigate, mm -hmm. you know, when there are those obstacles, because we can, and knowing how to take care of themselves. 
you know, and avoid some of the stressors. Yeah. Um, so, th so these are all things that, uh, so I would say pay attention to racial learning, to your own, to your kids. Um, talk to your kids about yeah. race, talk to your friends about race. Um, and make it an ongoing conversation mm. um, and an ongoing part of your learning. Because so much yeah. of the story of race in the U.S. is about um, having our stories uh, not told to us, hidden from yes. us, having other people's stories. So we really need to do and our work to uncover them. And also the consequence of internalizing the negative. That's right. Yeah. So that then that becomes a, a real like force right. in moving forward in your life. That's right. In, in yeah. internalizing the negative or the superiority, you yes, know, both. Both. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So the inferiority or superiority. So there's really yeah. there's kind of institutional, there's interpersonal, and there's internalized racism, and they're yeah. all sort of areas we need to yeah. be aware and find help for. And embrace race is certainly a great place to start. Yeah. Well, thank you for that work. Thank you. It's really, really being on. very inspiring to hear more about it, and I think you guys are wonderful. Thanks for having me on. You're this welcome. was really great, Marcy. Yeah. So, thanks for joining us today on Going Deeper Interviews, and I want to thank Greenfield Community Television for their wonderful support, and the interns, the volunteers, the staff, everyone here is so wonderful. I also want to say that if you'd like to see Going Deeper interviews, you can see them also on my website, marcysclove.com. And I recently started some podcasting, and that can be seen as, as uh, Going Deeper interviews through iTunes and through uh, Google Play. Okay, see you next time. Well, when I was a little boy sitting on